Well, are you ready to receive what the Lord would do in your heart tonight? Well, good evening. Good evening. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Yes. Jen wanted to know if you are ready for the, what the Lord is going to do in your heart. You know, He's already started a work in you and I. And when we come together and we spend time together and we fellowship with each other, whether it's before the service or during the time of worship or when we're receiving the Word and growing or, or afterwards when we're ministering to each other and loving on each other and all of that, the Lord is doing something and He is very interested in you. He's very interested in ministering to you and loving on you. And so, so when you come and when you come in here, particularly on a Saturday night for a corporate meeting, come with the expectation that the Lord is not only going to minister to me, He is going to use me to minister to others. Because this is not a dog and pony show. This is not just a one-man deal or a two-man person and they get up and I was at church. No, this is a you and I and the Lord Jesus Christ thing. Or you and you and the Lord Jesus Christ thing, right? And so we together are the church. We together make up the body of Christ. We together make up the assembly. And the reason that the assembly is valuable is because you and I have taken on another identity and we come together and there's strength in that when we're together. The, uh, some of you are familiar with what's happening up in Canada right now with the uh, pastor, uh, pastor Coates and his church and how he'd been in prison because they were meeting. And then now they've taken their church building away. Uh, you know, I don't know for how long, but things are in the courts. And then there's the, uh, the Polish pastor that, you know, he ran the authorities out of his church. I don't know if you saw the video, but that was quite something to see. And, um, and now has been having, you know, difficulties and troubles with this as well, and they're not supposed to be meeting. And so, uh, if you're wondering about this shirt, Mike and Corinne got this shirt for me. And uh, what it is, is it's in support of them up there. It's in solidarity with them. You know, there's that, that flag that we've flown in our country that says, come and take it. And, well, it was out of uh, Texas. Um, but that saying actually comes from Leonidas and his mighty men years ago. Uh, but today, bringing that to current time, is just standing in faith with our brothers and sisters in Canada for what they're facing right now and what they're going through. They're going through a trial, they're going through a test, but I know that the Word says that when you're persecuted, your reward is being built. That there's reward in it. Blessed are they who are persecuted. So our friends in, in Canada, they're blessed. And so when you face persecution, you're blessed. Even if it doesn't feel that way, you can just say, thank you. You just made my reward bigger. So for them in Canada, why don't we just take a moment. Actually, I'm going to read to you something that they just posted. And um, they said, uh, they took our building because they think that will stop us from worshiping. For 20 years, our church has worshipped together each Lord's Day. And we've only met in our own building for 11 months. So the best part of our history, we have not owned a building. We managed just fine to gather together without our own building, and now we don't have our own building again. The early church met in the catacombs under Rome. The Covetoners met in the fields. John Bunyan led his service in forests. 
Churches find ways to worship together as surely as water flows downhill. And I like that. You know, they might, the building might have been taken away from the church, but the church still lives on. Well, let's take a moment and pray for them. Father, I thank You for Your divine knowledge that You've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we right now, we ask You, Lord, to just encounter um, our family in Canada, that You would just overwhelm them, overshadow them with Your goodness, with Your faithfulness, with strengthen them within, Father. Cause Your Word to well up on the inside of them, that they would grow in strength and numbers, grow in focus on You, Jesus, as the Messiah. And I thank You, Lord, for bringing freedom to them. I, I ask You, Lord, that You would deliver their building back to them again. I ask You, Lord, that You would touch the lives of those that are making decisions in government and cause them to see how this is wrong and that they will open up Canada for Your Word to reign freely. And we know and we recognize that You do reign freely and we submit to that reign. We call You Lord and Lord of Church of the Word International. In Jesus' name. A song we were singing. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. I like how Paul said it. He said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself. Completely switched out identities. When... You know, the more real your identity is in Christ, the more you're going to see fruit, you're going to see boldness, you're going to see miracles, you're going... Your identity is the central thing between you and the Lord. And if you start identifying with the things of the world and identifying, Lord, I just ask that You, by Your Spirit right now, you touch each one of us in a way that's unique and individual to us, but in a way that brings us into understanding of who you are in us and who we are in you. I ask you, Lord, that by your Spirit tonight, you open up minds, that you open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear. And Father, we present ourselves to you tonight in humility. We present ourselves to you recognizing Your goodness, recognizing that You are our source in everything, recognizing, Father, that You have your, our good in mind. And Lord, we submit to You. We submit to Your way for this service. We yield this service to You. We just invite You to come in, have Your way. Your will be done. Your kingdom come completely and thoroughly. For this day, that everything that you have in your heart to be accomplished here tonight will be accomplished and will be fulfilled. I thank you for this, Lord. I bless you for it. I believe that we receive that, Father. I believe that we're walking out of here tonight in the fullness of joy and peace. That we walk out of here in the full realization that we are walking in your authority. That we walk in your power, Lord. I thank you for this. This is ours. In Jesus' name. I don't know why every time I want to talk to you about this, I want to cry. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong in my life. I'm not sad about anything. 
I'm just tender before the Lord right now. <laughs> so, either cry with me or laugh at me or praise the Lord or something. All right, let's take a moment. Let's pray. And I'm sure the Lord will give Larry that interpretation if no one else gets it. But I believe that we need to give ourselves over. Desire. You know, desire for the Lord to use us in these ways. So let's pray and ask the Lord to give it to you. And then one of you be bold enough to stand up and say, here's what it is. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are having your way. <laughs> so I thank you for the tongue that you just gave to us. And I ask you, Lord, for the interpretation, that you release the interpretation right now into this house. You're my hand is in this earth. And if you don't do it, who's going to do it? I desire for none to be lost, but all that come from the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I'm a good God. I love people. But I gave a free choice. Who will you serve? Is it self? Is it the devil? Is it your family? Is it your friends? I created you, each one of you, and I plan for your life. I plan to touch you. I plan to think, okay, now we had our tongue for the night, we had our interpretation for the night, click, that part of it's done. You know, the Lord still has something to say. And how many times are we missing out on what the Lord wants to say to us because we are simply 
not desiring it to that degree. You know, he said earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So if somebody else has a tongue, interpretation, a word of prophecy, any of those gifts that the Lord desires to release at every service in our body, be bold, step up. We're just going to take a moment, wait in the presence of the Lord. Spirit with my spirit. You have everything you need. What I'm asking today, tonight, is your response. That I can't do anything about. You must respond to what I'm nudging you in your heart about. And unless you do, what I'm asking you to do will not get done. It will not be fulfilled, at least by you. There will come a day where you'll stand before me. And your life will be put through the fire. And they'll be good, and they'll be good for nothing. The good for nothing will be all the times, all the opportunities I nudged you and you said no. You'll see it then. You're feeling it now by my, by my spirit. So I'm asking you, step out. Honor your comfort zone. Do something different. Do what my spirit is nudging you with tonight. Be bold. Be fearless. Risk. And watch me show up. My heart so desire the things for God. Do not look to the hobby. Do not look for the decompression time of things of this world. But long for me. Long for me. All those things can go away so quickly. Those things can distract you, but they don't give you the real peace. They don't give you the real strength. Long for me. Only I can fill that void. Only I can give you that true peace that passes all understanding. Long for me. Long for me. It will continue to grow. At first, you might not understand it. But as you set those things aside and you spend time with me, when you turn the devices off and you look at my word and you pray in the Spirit, you will long more and more for me. The time to get up won't be a challenge anymore. You'll be up before the alarm clock goes off. Because you long for me. The desire will grow and grow and grow. Listen, church. Listen, my children. It's the only way that you're going to get the victory. That's right. You've heard the white is getting whiter and the black is getting blacker, that the gray is disappearing. You've heard it your whole life. But now it's greater than you can possibly imagine. Long for me. Father, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for opening up ears and eyes. Thank You for Your Spirit. 
thank you for the Holy Spirit. You are holy. And we just continue to invite you in in greater measure, more than before. Lord, we desire your presence. We desire you more than, more than life, this natural life, because you are real life. And we're determined, Father, that we're going to go the whole way with you. And we're not turning back. We're not looking back. But we look confidently ahead. We look confidently, Father, to the good things that you've promised, to the things that you've declared must come to pass yet. Father, we believe. Because you said it, it will be so. We believe the things you've delivered us from are true. We believe, Father, what you said. And I ask you, Lord, that you continue to minister to our hearts, that you cause our hearts to be like yours, that you cause the things that touch you to touch us, that the things that are near and dear to you would become near and dear to us, that we would be like a mirror of you everywhere we go. And in Jesus' name, it shall be so. Yes, Shane. Just about 20 seconds before that, Shane, I was thinking of that. See, the weightiness of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the reverence of the Lord is here tonight. And it's here to bring deliverance where deliverance is needed. It's here to bring a reality check where a reality check is needed. And that we make the adjustments that are needed to be made because right now we're coming into a season and time that is unlike anything we've ever lived before. Our ancestors, our forefathers haven't ever really experienced where we're at right now. But we know that this season and time is not catching the Lord by surprise. And, and I hear Him keep saying that there's a tightening coming. A tightening. That's a good thing. If you're driving on the road in a vehicle with loose steering, you're really grateful for a tightening. We used to have this old tractor and we'd drive it from my grandparents' place to our place, which was eight miles apart. And um, it was an old Alice Chalmers tractor, a 180. And that thing had such loose steering. Remember one time we counted how many times the steering wheel makes a complete revolution by the time we'd get to our house. And it was eight times that that steering wheel made a complete circle and then again and again and again because it was, I don't know, loose steering. Let's put it that way. It wasn't tight. And that there's a tightening coming that is bringing the glory of the Lord back to the house of the Lord. Back to the church of Christ. The church, the day of just having programs and, and being run as a business model are over. And it's now time to run with the kingdom model that has one king, one Lord, one authority. Hallelujah. Thank you for those of you that were bold and stepped up and gave what the Lord gave you to give. uh, give. Uh, Thank you, Alan. See, I'm not the only one who cries when, when the Lord gets strong on them. You just came up and made me feel better. Sometimes our emotions get Get touched when the Lord comes strong on you. Amen. So I got a question for you. This is a deep theological question. 
You may have to think a little bit before you answer it. Maybe not. Because some of you are pretty sharp. Who in your past sometime, maybe one time in your past, by a raise of hands, have ever sinned? You're a sharp bunch tonight. Everyone should have their hand up, and if someone didn't have their hand up, you can put it up now because you just lied, and so that was sin, and so we're, we're all there. We have all sinned. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Did you know that sin is enjoyable? He said, what? Did I just hear the pastor say that right? Am I in the right church? pastor said sin is fun it is for a season Hebrews 11 says that Moses chose to suffer rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season the problem with sin is it's followed by something it's followed by death and destruction and the fun fades away into things that are not fun into consequences and prices that are too large for us to pay In fact, sin does pay. You know that, right? The wages of sin. It means the pay for sin. What is it? Death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How did Jesus explain what eternal life was? In John 17 and verse 3, He said eternal life is to know the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. It's an experiential knowing the Father. It's a very personal, a very close knowing the Father. Like a husband and wife know each other intimately. It is intimately knowing the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. This is what eternal life is. Living forever is just a side benefit. But it's not the real deal. It's just the benefit that comes with it. But knowing Him is how we make that jump from the wages of sin, because all of us have sinned. Y'all raised your hands. So that was all of us. All of us deserve death. And making the jump from there over to eternal life in Christ Jesus. And taking on what He already created for us. It's, it's one of the reasons that verse in Romans 8 is so precious to me, is that the law of the Spirit of life He is a spirit of life. And there is a law that comes with that spirit of life. And the law of the spirit of life sets me free from the law of sin and death. And it's only in Christ Jesus because there is a law of sin, of death. Sin separates from the Lord. It leads to death. And and the final death is being separated from the Lord forever. It should be the most tragic thing that could happen to a person. Let's go over to Zechariah 3. See how many people can find. I'm watching. Zechariah is right before the New Testament. So if you go towards the back end of the Old Covenant, in a lot of those small short books, you'll find Zechariah there. And Zechariah, in chapter 3, there is a prophetic picture of what takes place for you and I. A prophetic picture of what took place for mankind. And here in verse 1 of Zechariah 3, it says, Then he showed me, so he's having a vision. He says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, with Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. 
Now, Joshua the high priest, he is standing as a representative of you and I today. Because you and I are priests. The Word says that you and I are a royal priesthood in 1 Peter. It also says that we have been made to be priests unto God Most High. And if you look in Revelations chapter 1 and again in chapter 5 maybe, you'll see how that he says that he has made us to be kings and priests to his God and Father. And then in chapter 5 he says he made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So we are to be priests to God Most High. And we reign as kings on the earth. And in this, this whole priesthood thing, you know, when you looked at the high priest in the Old Covenant, there was a real strict set of rules that he would follow before he would go into the most holy place in the temple to have communion with the Father. And it was only once a year that he would go into there and then he would, he would do all these sacrifices, all of these things to take care of all the sins in his life, cross all the T's, dot all the I's, and then before he went in, he even would tie a rope around his leg. That way if he went in there and had forgotten something and didn't deal with it, and he die fell over dead in there, that they could drag him out. So to be a priest, what is that? That means going into the most holy place, into the presence of God. It means you are having direct access. That was what the high priest was. He had direct access to the Father. The other people didn't. Thank God that all changed. But that's why you and I have become priests. Because we have direct access to the Father. We're not going through somebody else. You know, the Lord doesn't have grandchildren. He doesn't have grandchildren. He has only children. Children and not children. Right? So there's no, because my dad's a Christian, I am too. Alright, let's look here. So he is high priest. You and I are priests. He's standing before the Lord. And there's Satan there to accuse him. But doesn't Revelation say, call him the accuser of the brethren? And that he stands, um, what does it say, and accuses them day and night? In, in uh, Revelations 12 it is, verses 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Messiah have now come. Because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And then it gives us that all-important phrase of how they overcame Him. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. If you have a testimony, it means you had a test. And you overcame. If you get a test and you don't overcome, now you just have a money. Well, we don't want monies, we want overcomers. Right? Let's keep reading. The Lord said to Satan... Some translations say the angel of the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. May the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Isn't this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now, Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes. And this word filthy carries the idea of poop. Like he's in filthy clothes, right? Soiled clothes. And... As he stood before the angel. So he spoke to those standing before him. The angel did. Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to him, See, I have removed your guilt from you, and I will clothe you with splendid robes. Well, don't we have it in Scripture that salvation 
We are clothed with the garments of salvation. Are you seeing the parallel here? Then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So a clean turban was placed on his head, and they clothed him in garments while the angel of the Lord was standing nearby. Then the angel of the Lord charged Joshua. This is what the Lord of hosts says. If you walk in my ways and keep my instructions, you will both rule my house and take care of my courts. I will also grant you access among these who are standing here. You will rule my house and my courts. Take care of my courts. You will have access to the very throne room of God. That's you and I today, the priests unto God Most High. Doesn't, Hebrews tells us that we can come boldly into the throne room where we can find mercy and help and grace at the time that we need it. Not come in hanging your head, but come in boldly. Verse 8, listen Joshua, the high priest, you and your colleagues sitting before you, indeed these men are a sign that I am about to bring my servant, the branch. Anyone know who the branch is? Jesus. Notice the stone I have set before Joshua. On that, one stone or seven eyes, I will engrave an inscription on it. The declaration of the Lord of hosts. We are called living stones in Peter. And he is called the cornerstone. And there are seven spirits of God talked about in the Word in multiple places. Well, here's seven eyes looking around. There's a lot of similarities. He said, I will take away the guilt of this land in a single day. And on that day, each of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and fig tree. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. So you and I, a royal priesthood, have had something take place. We have been clothed with something. Clothed with garments of salvation. We've been given a gift that we didn't deserve. Let's go over to Romans 3. Romans 3, and we'll begin in verse 23 here in a moment. You and I have been... There was a great exchange that took place for you and I. We, we arrived on the scene filthy. In filthy clothes. In soiled clothes. Our, in fact, Isaiah says that our own righteousness is as filthy rags when it comes to salvation. Now there is such a thing as good righteousness that you have on your own and it's works of righteousness. But that's not to do with salvation. That's only to do with works. The righteousness that comes to us, that was given to us in exchange for all our filth, is why you and I are here tonight. Romans 3, verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a propitiation or an atoning victim through faith in His blood. And propitiation has to do with removing wrath that you deserve from you and taking it on Him. And it's through faith in His blood to demonstrate, to demonstrate what? His rightness. His right standing. His righteousness. Because in His restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. He presented Him to demonstrate His right standing at the present time. His righteousness. The reason I'm saying it that way is because sometimes the word righteous, we kind of lose the significance of what it means. It just simply means right standing with God. That's what righteousness is. You're right. You're not wrong. You're right. 
Okay? So here, he's saying he demonstrated his rightness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. Do you have faith in Jesus? Well, now let's go over to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of the great exchange chapters in the Bible. Exchange. Trading your sickness for His health. Trading your sin for His righteousness. Trading your sorrow for His joy and peace. In Isaiah 53, we could read the whole thing and he just goes down through there and he talks about the exchange that takes place. And he goes back and forth, back and forth. But in verse 10, I want you to see something. He says, Yet the Lord was pleased to bruise him, and he made him sick. When you make him a restitution offering, this is talking of Jesus, when Jesus is made the restitution offering, he, Jesus, will see his seed. You and I are his seed. He was seeing our day when He was hanging there on the cross. He was looking forward and He was seeing His seed. And just like it said in Zechariah 3 where we read a little bit ago, in one day, He removed the guilt from the land. In one day. And so here He's looking and He says He will see His seed and He will prolong His days and the will of the Lord will succeed by His hand. He... (coughs) Excuse me. He will see it out of his anguish of soul and he will be satisfied. He's going to see it even in the midst of his anguish of what he was going through and he's going to be satisfied because he sees it. And what does he see? Well, let's keep reading. It says, With his knowledge, my righteous servant, Jesus, will justify many and he will carry their iniquities, their sins. Therefore, (coughs) excuse me, Therefore I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil, because he submitted himself to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. I want to read this to you in the NET. It says, Having suffered, he will reflect on his work. He will be satisfied when he understands what he has done. My servant will acquit many, for he carried their sins. So, I will assign him a portion with the multitudes. He will divide the spoils of victory with the powerful, because he willingly submitted to death and was numbered with the rebels when he lifted up the sin of many and intervened on behalf of the rebels. How many ex-rebels do I have in here tonight? Yeah, all of us. Ex-rebels. Because He intervened on our behalf. And you know, we say, well, God loved us. He loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son. But you know what? God wasn't feeling warm, fuzzy feelings about us. We were called His enemies. He loved us while we were still His enemies. And when your enemy is hating you, you don't have warm, fuzzy feelings towards them. But He still loved us. And His actions showed it because He gave. The greatest action of love is giving. And the Father gave. He sends Jesus to these rebels. You and I and the rest of the world to pay the price that they deserve. So that they could receive something they don't deserve. To be on a face-to-face, name-to-name basis with the Father. To be a priest. To be a king to rule and reign in this life with Him, to be seated with Him 
on the throne is what the Word says. To be seated with Him. Well, where is He seated? In heavenly places. Above, not beneath. Where you rule and reign. Placed above this temporal earth. Above what's in the natural. Above what's even in the supernatural, but on the devilish side. Because there is a supernatural there too. What's your favorite verse about righteousness? Okay, can you quote it? Right? (laughs) Leadership training school where they're memorizing Bible verses. Wonderful thing. Here's one of mine. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So the Father made Jesus sin. Not because He sinned, but because I sinned. Because you sinned. This is the great exchange. And He paid the bill. And by paying the bill, I mean He went and He suffered and He took the punishment. And we're not talking just death here. We're talking hell. Some people don't like that when you say, well, Jesus went to hell and took my punishment for me. Well, if He didn't, then He didn't take my punishment because my punishment was hell. And the Word is real clear on it. It says He went to hell. And it says the Father didn't leave Him in hell, but brought Him up and brought Him out and resurrected Him. And it even talks about He ended the pains of death. What are the pains of death? Being separated and and when you're dead, you don't have pain in the natural. So it's not talking physical death here. It's talking spiritual death. And what happens with true 100% spiritual death is you are completely separated from the Father and you go to the place that was designed for the devil and his angels, not for mankind. But see, the deal is, is God isn't sending people to hell. The thing is, is He has made a way for us to come and be with Him and fellowship with Him and, and live with Him forever. But there's two kingdoms in the world. And His enemy, the devil, and those fallen angels, God prepared a place for them because they deserve it. They were in heaven. They saw the good things of God. They saw the amazing quality of heaven and experience of those things and still decided to follow someone that said, I can do better. The devil. And so the Lord created for them what they deserve. And He never intended mankind to go there. The only reason mankind goes there is because they serve that king who's not a king, but they make him their king rather than the father. There's a reason that the Father said, I set life and death before you choose life. It's our choice. So when He makes you, when He took your sin and He put it on Jesus, now when God the Father looks at Jesus, there's a reason Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because He had become sin. And He was now separated and had experienced spiritual death and was in the process of Physical death and everything that comes with that when you die a physical death and are also spiritually dead. But praise the Lord. This is one of the places that Christianity is different than every other religion. Our champion is alive because He was resurrected. Our Savior, our Messiah, He didn't stay dead. Right? But he conquered death. No other religion has done that. 
And no other religion has offered themselves for their people. Their champion didn't offer themselves in so that their people would, the bill would be paid and they could come in. This is very unique to Christianity and to the one and only God and Jesus the Messiah. In Colossians 1.13 it says it this way. He says, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. Rescued us. Rescued us from the domain of darkness. And transferred us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. So there was a great exchange that took place from one kingdom to the next kingdom. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. Kingdom of death and sin and destruction to a kingdom of life and peace and joy and everything that comes with it. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2. I always think this is such a beautiful picture of what the Father did for us. It starts out in verse 1. In chapter 2, he says, And you were dead. I'm so glad that the were is in there. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to this worldly age, according to the prince of the power of the air or the ruler of the atmospheric domain. The Spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and by nature we were children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, who is abundant in mercy, how many know that the Word says His mercies are new every morning? His mercies are new every morning. You haven't exhausted them. It's the reason that we're still here. After Peter and Paul and all these guys said that we're in the end days and we are in the end days. But it's why we're still here is because His mercy. He's not willing that any should perish. We ought not want Him to quickly come back and rescue us from these scary times. That's just selfish thinking. Come on, this is about a lot more people than just you and I. There's millions and billions of people that don't know Him. That have yet to know Him. And if you're in our series, in our home groups, we're talking about victory over death. And in this past week, we, we listened to the sermon and it, you know he's talked about how two people are dying every second. Two people, and then two more, and then two more, and pretty soon you and I, he said. Well, there is a, if we could just back off from the earth and look at the earth and see the departures and arrivals coming, you know, babies being born and people dying, it'd be, you'd be just amazed at the train of people going both directions. And all the people leaving, they're going somewhere. They're going somewhere. They don't just cease to exist. All right, so God is abundant in mercy, verse 4, because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses. By grace you are saved. He also raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in heavens in Christ Jesus. So we're seated with Him. We're raised up with Him. We're resurrected with Him. So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith. 
This is not from yourselves. It's God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. For we are His creation. We are God's masterpiece is what this word really could be translated as. We are His creation, His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. So then, remembering that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, done by hand in the flesh, at that time you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, with no hope and without God in the world. But now, someone say now, now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. For He is our peace. Someone say, He is my peace. I am at peace because He is in me. And I am in Him. We have been brought near by the blood of Messiah, for He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in His flesh. He made one man out of two. He joined and made two, made two one. Say, how is that possible? I know, it's a miracle, right? But with God, all things are possible. And He longs, He longs for us to get a revelation on this that would transform our actions during the week to go from just normal Americans living an American dream to being lit on fire, burning, causing the Lord Jesus to be glorified. What happens when you are the righteousness of God? When you become the righteousness of God, His right standing, His very rightness, I don't know, like blows circuits in your mind, doesn't it, to try to comprehend. How can I be as right as God? Just an, a miracle. It's amazing. And what happens when we have that realization? And by faith we receive that. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed us and cleaned all our sin and all our, all our brokenness and all our filth, right? Washed away, no longer remains. I remember a story of, of a, someone that had died and I think he was having, had a vision or a dream. And he died and he, he was standing in heaven in line for the book of life. And they were checking to see if your name was in the book of life. And when he came up and he was able to see the page, and they, he said his name, and they go down the list and they find his name, and there was, there was a spot of blood behind his name on the page. And he said, well, what's the spot of blood? He said, oh, that is, underneath that blood was your sins listed, but the blood has washed them away. Oh, hallelujah. And he looked across the page and there was another name. He didn't know who it was, but he saw this long paragraph after paragraph after paragraph trail of blood on the pages. He said, my, he said, what did that guy do? And the Lord looked at him and he said, I don't remember. I don't remember. See, when it's washed, it's washed. There's no faint image of what used to be. Your current identity, your reality in Christ is just as good as the day you first took a hold of it. 
Sometimes we just have to get our mind renewed on this thing because we go back and we blow it in areas and we go, okay, now that left a mark on me. Did it? Thank God for the blood. Right? Make new agreements with Him. Repent. What does repent mean? It means change your way. Don't keep doing that. Do differently. What is the result of righteousness in our life? Well, one of the first things you'll see as a result of being righteous is peace. Peace that defies logic. Peace that defies circumstances. Peace that is unexplainable. It'll guard your mind. Isaiah 32 says this. 32.17 if you're taking notes. The result of righteousness. Everyone listening? The result of righteousness is peace. Simple. It's peace. Then he says the effect of righteousness will be Quiet confidence forever. Quiet confidence forever. That's the effect it has on you. When you know that, you know, praise the Lord, He gave me something I don't deserve. He gave me heaven. He took away all those things I did deserve, death and destruction, and they're not counted to my account anymore. See, when you hold your sin higher than the blood of Jesus, you are making that more powerful than Jesus. But Scripture says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when a memory comes to you, you go, no, that's under the blood. And if you've not put it under the blood, then get it there. And say, no, I'm not condemned. The blood has erased that from my account. The price has been paid. Jesus already went, suffered, died, paid the bill on that. Paid in full. In Romans 14, verses 17 and 18, says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness. What comes next? Peace. Do you see that? Peace. What follows peace? There is a joy that comes bubbling up on the inside that is just completely not reliant upon circumstances. It doesn't rely upon your day going well. Whoever serves Christ in this way, he goes on and says, is acceptable to God and approved by men. Righteousness. Serving in righteousness. His righteousness. Faith in His righteousness. Another thing that will happen as a, as a result of righteousness is answered prayers. You'll pray boldly. You'll pray confidently. And you'll see results to those prayers. So if you're going, well, yeah, but I prayed for this and this and this and I didn't see a result. No, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you tell condemnation to leave and you put your faith back on the promise of what you've prayed and keep your faith there. There is a trial of your faith that will work out. It's great when it happens in a moment and in an instant and those are yeas, but you no longer are in faith for that because you've received the answer for it. Well, faith is what pleases God. So stay in faith. Stay hooked to His promises. James 5.16 tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and very effective. Let's say it a different way. The prayer of a God... I mean, the prayer of a person who is as right as God is very powerful and effective. Well, who's as right as God? Yeah, thank you. We had a few raised hands. Say, I am. So when you're free from condemnation, that's when you're going to be living an overcoming victorious life.
And you'll be bold as a lion. Why would you be bold as a lion? Because the lion of Judah, he died a lamb, but he resurrected a lion. In 1 John, actually, let's go to, uh, let's go to Romans 5 first. And I'll, quote, I'll just quote to you from 1 John. 1 John 4.17 says that we, so that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness in the day of judgment. Now how could somebody have boldness in the day of judgment? Is because there's no bill. There's nothing to judge. It's already been judged 2,000 years ago. It's already been judged. And so now, clean slate. Righteousness of God. You know, he says that we're going to have boldness in the day of judgment because, here's the explanation, as he is, so are we in this world. Well, how is he? Right as rain, brother. Right? Just completely right. And you and I, right too. As he is, so are we in this world. And let's take it even a step further. Where is he seated? On a throne. Aren't we seated with Him there? Yes. So as He is, so are we seated with Him. It's really good when you're sitting with the judge. Right? You're sitting there with the judge, and He goes, it's alright. We've got all this covered. Just believe me. Just trust me. It's going to be alright. And you know when the devil jumps up and starts accusing you, you do not agree with him. When he starts accusing you and saying, you've done this and this and this. You know, I learned real fast as a child that if my mom comes up and starts talking to me about something that I'd done wrong, that I need to shut my mouth and wait to see what I'm being accused of so that I don't confess to things that she doesn't know about yet. (laughs) So I learned the value of keeping my mouth shut and let's see what I'm being accused of. Well, when the devil comes to accuse you, Don't agree with Him and go, yep, yep, I'm guilty, I did that. Yep, yep. Because your advocate, the one who's making intercession for you, is saying, no, it doesn't exist. It's already paid for. And when you jump up and say, yeah, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I just said you weren't, but now you're going to admit to it? Okay. So you just say what He says. Not guilty. Not guilty. It's paid. I belong with Him. Romans 5, did you find it? Verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous. So how do we become declared righteous? How? Declared by faith. That's right. That's the next, the next words there is by faith. We're declared righteous by faith. It's not because of works that you and I did. It's not because somehow we earned it. It's only because He decided it. He's already decided it and said, you're going to be my righteousness on you. It's now yours. We have been declared righteous. By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access. Someone say access. Access to what? The Holy of Holies as priests unto God Most High. Anytime, any place, anywhere, access to the Father for personal conversation. Access. We have obtained access through Him. Through Him. By faith. There it is again. 
into this grace. Into this grace in which we stand. you got to take a stand on it. And we rejoice in the hope. There's the joy. In the hope of the glory of God. You know, if you, if you get yourself, you find yourself in sin, and you walk away from the Lord, it doesn't matter if it was briefly or for a long time. If you're here tonight and that's you, there's a scripture for just for you. All of us have had to use it. So you're no different than the rest of us. All of us have had to use it. In 1 John 1 verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from most unrighteousness. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that you guys are listening. All. Someone say all. All unrighteousness. Everything you could possibly have done which would have been unrighteous, all of it, covered, cleanses you from it. He goes on in chapter 2 and he says, my little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. Is his desire that you sin? Nope. He also recognizes that you're, you're prone to. You're prone to because of this flesh. This flesh just has evil desires. It thinks of itself. So he said, but, so, so he wrote these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the right one, the righteous one. He's our advocate. He's my advocate. So if you've walked away from the Lord, if you've sinned, or, or maybe it's been a, a short thing, a long thing, it doesn't matter. The, the simple thing is, is just bring it to the Lord, put it under the blood, and allow His him to wash you, to clean you, to cleanse you. It's not held to your account. And stand before the Lord as right and as clean as Jesus Christ Himself. Because you've taken on His identity. You've exchanged you for Him. So when the Father looks at you, He doesn't see the old you. He sees the new Christ. He sees the new you in Christ, I should say. There's not a new Christ, but... It goes on and says, He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for those of the whole. And I'm going to close by reading to you from Romans. Romans chapter 10. So when you go out of here tonight and someone says, oh, so what did you hear at church? What did you learn tonight? I learned about the great exchange that took place in my life. That's what you can say. Romans chapter 10 Verse 4 says for, actually let's start in 3. He was talking about the Jews and how the Jews had, um, the gospel had now come to the Gentiles and the Jews had forfeited their only right because they, it was exclusive to them. And so now it was open to the Gentiles and so he was talking about that, Israel's present state. And then in verse, um, verse 3, we'll begin reading. He says, Because they disregarded the righteousness from God and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. See, it doesn't only take faith. It takes submission to the Father of His rightness. Okay, I accept it. I believe that could be possible. I'm just so glad that you decided that. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. 
The one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the Word of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now that phrase, Jesus is Lord, that's you submitting to His Lordship. You don't call somebody Lord that you're not going to submit to. It's a big mouthful to say, Jesus is Lord. So if you're saying Jesus is Lord, that's saying, I give up the rights to my life, and I'm going to submit to you as Lord. Jesus is not just fire insurance, because that's how I used to live. He was fire insurance, He was my salvation, and He wasn't my Lord though. And I remember the day that I made that change in my life and went from using Him as fire insurance to actually saying, you're Master, what do you want me to do? I'm reporting for duty. Jesus is Lord, and here's the second part, believe in your heart. Faith is of the heart. Belief is of the heart. That God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness. There it is. Your faith. It's righteousness by faith. I believe it. I receive it. And with the mouth, one confesses, resulting in salvation. Now the Scripture says no one who believes on Him will be put to shame. No one who believes on Him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on Him. For everyone, someone say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Who can say like Paul, I believe God. I believe God. This is my reality. This is my identity. This is who I am. I am who He says I am. We have a song we sing like that, right? Or you hear it on the radio. I am who He says I am. Well, that's actually just coming out of Scripture. You know, say what He says. Not what the enemy says about you. I am the righteousness of God. Someone say that. I've been made righteous. Completely right. As right as God. All my sins have been washed away. They no longer exist. And I receive the work of Christ in me. And then there's peace and joy and hope of glory. And it's called a mystery. The mystery of Christ in me. The hope of glory. So stand with me if you would. Father, we thank You that You didn't leave us on our own and didn't give us what we deserve, what I deserve. Thank You, Father, that You gave us of Your own goodness, out of Your generosity, out of Your love, that You delivered us from certain death, that You delivered us from separation from You and You brought us into Your light, into Your kingdom, into Your love. We receive it right now. We bless You for it. We exalt You for it. 
We thank You, Lord, that Your blood has completely cleansed us. That we stand right before You. And that Your Spirit lives on the inside. Father, I ask that by Your Spirit, You come in and on every person here in a special way tonight. And strengthen them. That they go out full of strength. Lord, I ask You to impart a zeal into each one of us of Your righteousness. A zeal of Your righteousness that we might see peace and joy be the hallmark of every person here. Every person living by, or listening by the internet that You walk in peace and joy that comes from the righteousness of God the Father upon You. If you are here tonight and you're saying, you know, I've walked away from the Lord and I want, I want this. I receive this. I believe this. Just stay where you're at, but raise your hand so that those around you can see you. If that's you, just raise your hand real high. Okay, right over here, uh, look around. See, see who's beside you. And any other hands that are up? Did I miss anyone? Alright, those that are beside him, here's what I want you to do. Is Lead them in prayer. Help them reach that place of righteousness. Okay, we're just going to take a moment and we're just going to stay in the presence of the Lord and then we're going to rejoice and we're going to sing and we're going to worship. Father, I thank You and I bless You. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for truth. Thank You for life. Thank You for the blood of Jesus. Thank You, Lord, for Your kindness to us. Lord, we rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice in You, Father. Thank You for saving me. Thank You for the blood. Thank You for the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. Every sin would flee at the name of Jesus. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. Let's sing. Uh, let's sing song um, there is a name I love to hear do you know that one okay I'll help you oh, okay all right um. come. Lord gave our sister a word and so she's going to deliver that for us. So listen carefully. After the tongue, uh, it just dropped in my spirit. The Lord says that he hears your prayer. He is listening for the cry of your heart. And he says, be still. I know that I am God. 
my cry comes before me and I bend down to hear and listen. Every cry, no matter how feeble, is heard in the throne room of God. Your prayers are being not only answered, but they're being fulfilled because the fulfillment of the word that has been given, there'll be completion to it. There'll be a drawing close, a closing, a closure of that thing, and you will move on to the next thing because this is not the end, but it's only the beginning. Stand still and see the salvation of our God. So there was um, a family that was coming, a lady named Shanaz was coming and um, to be prayed for tonight because uh, the doctors have given her a report that cancer's all through her body. So uh, they wanted to come, where, where were they coming from, Philadelphia? Yeah, coming from Philadelphia to receive prayer and to be healed tonight and they got into an auto accident. So it's just like the devil when you're on your way to your redemption to try to stop it. Now they said they're going to be here next week. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray that they be here next week, right? And we're going to lay hands and anoint her with oil and see her delivered of this cancer. The word our sister Nancy gave I believe is for Shanaz to listen, to not give up, to be still, to wait. Redemption draws near. Isaiah 43, the Lord gave me this scripture to hold on to during this week. Now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, and I'm just going to put in Shanaz's name, the one who created you, Shanaz, and the one who formed you, Shanaz. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. <laughs> I will be with you when you pass through the waters. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire. And the flame will not burn you. Well, the Lord had also spoken and I kind of chickened out. But I noticed my little sister over here and it brought back memories of when I didn't have any hair and I said oh and I thought I was speaking to her but I think we're speaking to this woman who says and the word was it's gone it's not that your healing is coming but it's gone and that you might have to walk through it but it's gone it's finished yes Amen. So if you would, let's just unite our faith right now for Shanaz. Father, I thank you for your spirit. Father, I thank you for the finished work of Jesus back 2,000 years ago. That by his stripes we are healed. That he bore our sicknesses and our pains. Thank you, Father, that you have promised to heal all our diseases, to remove all our sins. So, Father, we lift Shanaz up to you right now. And we just declare her healed and delivered of cancer in every way and in every form. Father, I thank you that your healing power overshadows her and comes into her right now. 
and that her cells respond in a way they have not before. I thank you, Lord, that you deliver them in every way, on every side. I thank you that everything that's been stolen from them today is returned to them sevenfold in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We have a Savior. We have a healer. We have a King. And He is good. Amen? Well, love on one another as you go. Ask each other, is there anything you need? If there is, then pray with them. Put it in their hand. Help them be the body of Christ. Amen? Good evening. So good to see every face here tonight. Thanks for coming. Thanks for showing up. We really appreciate it. I'd like to encourage you, but I've got a question to ask. Of all the books in the Bible, what book reminds you most of worship? Psalms. I, I have to agree with you. You know, the author, primary author is David, and he was a real worshiper, wasn't he? God the Father said of him that he was a man after his own heart. And that is so true. I mean, all through the book of Psalms, you'll read that. And in Psalms 19, caught my eye this week, he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies, the firmament, show his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. It's so beautiful that creation, this beautiful creation that God created the world, still speaks God. Do you ever look at the pink and the red trees and just go, oh, just look at them in awe? I mean, I stand in awe at the colors of spring in this area. It's so beautiful. But David did that. He did it a lot. And he goes on to say in verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, and the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, more to be desired than even gold. I, I looked at that and thought, him just standing in awe, you know, just at the artistry of God, caused him to give honor to the Word of God. And that same God who created this beautiful world spoke the Word and still speaks to us today. This is our God. This is the God we serve. So let's stand together because he is so worthy to be praised, so worthy to be worshiped. Amen.
Christ in me, the hope of glory. Let's all say that. Acknowledging that in your spirit, man, solidifies it. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Psalm 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you, for my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land, there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with the marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity tonight to come together as a family of God. And it is an opportunity we don't take lightly. It's so precious. We invite you, we celebrate you, Jesus. You are the head of this church. We welcome you to come and move and touch and speak Heal broken hearts. Touch the temples that belong to you. Bring healing and wholeness. Jesus, you are celebrated in this place. Just say that. Jesus, you are celebrated in this place. And invite him into your heart. Invite him to bring correction or reproof or doctrine or speak something to your life that will change your life forever. Always allow him in because he is our master. He's our Lord. He's our soon coming King. He's our everything. So welcome him in your own heart personally tonight. One word from heaven can change your life forever. And one word may be spoken tonight for you. Say, that's me. That's me. We thank you, Lord. Well, one way we love God and honor him is by loving one another. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here tonight. And the children may be dismissed at this time. And we bless Holy. them as they go. Holy. Amen. Are you Lord God? Oh, Worthy is the man. Worthy is the man. You are holy. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be home again. Maybe some of you knew we were in Oregon. We had a great time there. Well, it's good to be back. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need a, a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to CWI. If you're giving my credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. And I'm going to encourage you tonight in the area of money. Is that okay? Okay, good. You know, you're about to do something with your money, so um, let's, let's hear some, some instruction from the Word on it. Turn to Matthew uh, chapter 6. You know, for most of you, you've probably already made the decision. You're not about to make a decision. You've already made the decision, 
And, you know, that's how it is with tithing. You know, that's, that's something that we do in our heart prior to the offering basket being passed. It's an establishment of the heart. Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit about money. Is It's a neutral object, right? Money is not good or bad. It doesn't have a mind or a will of its own. It's neutral. It just is. But it'll take on the character and the personality of whoever's hand it's in, right? So let me say it differently. The way you handle your finances, how you make decisions concerning your money, or what motivates you will reveal what's in your heart. So the way you talk about money, the way you use it or don't use it, you know, the love of money will cause you to not use it too, you know. It's the way that you use it or don't use it, where you spend it, what you spend it on, all of that's flowing out from a heart, all right? So if you examine your relationship with money, you know, if you, if you look at that and you're like, wow, I don't really like this self-examination thing. I don't really like what this is revealing. Jesus said something in Matthew 6, verse 21. Here's something you can do about it. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So you can do something about it. You don't like where your heart is, change where your treasure is. You know, if you back up to verse 19, he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. So it's not protected here on earth. If you try to lay up, live selfishly and and lay up, excuse me, you try to lay it up where it's all self-serving and things, it's not protected there. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where where thieves do not break in and steal. So if you put your treasure in the right place, it's protected. The devourer can't get into it. Seems like I've heard something about that in Malachi or something, you know. (laughs) See, because you're putting God first. If you read down further in the chapter, verse 24 talks about not being able to serve two masters. You're either going to serve God. You can't serve God and money. You're going to love one, hate the other. You can't be devoted to both. So money reveals, the way you handle money reveals who you're serving. So going back to verse 21 again. So if you, again, if you don't like, if you examine your, your relationship with money and you say, hey, you know, based on how I've handled my money, I've not had my priorities straight. By examining this, I can see what's been important to me or not. Um, I want to change that. So here's what you do. You change where your treasure is. Your heart's going to follow, Right? Well, one way we demonstrate this is with the tithe. Why? Because that's establishing God is first. We're obeying his word and tithing and putting him first in our lives. So that's what we're about to do. So let's take a hold of it, any offerings or tithes, and let's pray over it and present it to the Lord. Father, we're so grateful to you tonight that you are a good master. You are a good father. And we acknowledge you as our provider, and we just thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for taking such good care of us. So we ask you to bless the tithe. We ask you to bless any offerings, cause it to multiply to the people's account. And I just thank you, Lord, that if there's any needs in the house, that you meet it according to your will and your word. In Jesus' name, and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give it to the Lord. 
All right, so CityGate is going out tomorrow in Columbia. So if you would like to be a part of that, there's still room to be a part of that. Uh, just be in Columbia CityGate at 1115. And be in prayer for changed lives. I always hear such great testimonies coming out of that. So exciting. Um, also, this is our second week of our new home group series, Victory Over Death. So if you um, would like to be part of it, I mean, you can reach out to Debbie or one of the other home groups and plug into that. It's a great series. We've had a couple date changes on ladies' breakfasts and men's breakfasts, so please look at the bulletin here. Um, The ladies' breakfast is May 22nd, and you need to sign up. It's the sign-up sheet is in the back. We sign up for every name that is there, so put your name down if you want to be there. Also, same deal for the men's breakfast. That's May 29th, so the following Saturday. And we have an election coming up that I hope all of you are well aware of. If you're not registered, please go out and register. Uh, It's our duty as citizens, as a good citizen and a Christian, to do uh, our basic responsibility and taking responsibility for we have an opportunity to have a voice, and so let's not neglect that. That's coming up um, May 18th, but the last day to register is Monday. All right. Okay. All right. All those that are going to CityGate, why don't you all come up and let's pray about what's going to take place tomorrow. Any, just, just Columbia, right? And, or, Lancaster. and Lancaster. So if you're going to Lancaster too. Okay, well, I don't know if I'm, where I'm supposed to stand here. Anyone else? All right. Well, if you would, just reach out your hands or agree with us in prayer. Father, I just thank you for each individual that's here, that they have a heart to serve you, that they have a heart to advance your kingdom. Lord, I just ask you to bless them and that your anointing would be strong on them. We ask for special um, appointments, special um, opportunities, people, Lord, that you would want to minister to, that you would give everyone here the words to speak, that they would just know and realize that it's you flowing through them. Lord, we're asking for an outpouring of your spirit on the street, that people would have a tangible uh, touch from you, and that lives would be changed. Lord, I just ask for your spirit to go before them and cover every part of what they're doing tomorrow. Protect them. Send your angels to guard round about them in Jesus' name, and amen. Amen. I don't know if Jen mentioned this or not, um, but if you did not pick up one of these, you can get one down in the lobby. It is uh, the latest update from the Mirabellas, and you can see what all is going on there. They have plans to be here with us in June at the Armada Landmark, so mark your calendars for that. It's the third full week in June, the 20 something through the 20 something so so it's it's like a whole starting Sunday night runs that entire week and ends Saturday night so um, everyone is invited of course and it's in the afternoons and evenings and we're going to look forward to what the Lord is going to do during that week and the Mirabellas are going to be here with us so that's going to be fun 